With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. An on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor doing a fine job back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. And as always, on Tuesday morning around 8 o'clock or so, we love catching up with Gus Cattengill from ESPN in New Orleans. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline. Good morning, Gus. How you doing today, bud? Doing well, man. How are you doing? Good. I saw you uh, caught up with uh, Sean and Nick down there. Did you keep them in line in the biggies? I tried to. I tried to. Uh, you know, I'll say this: they they're, they're not shy in front of cameras, and we'll try to find anybody's radio show to try to you know implant themselves in to become stars. But uh, no, nah, it was cool. They were right next to us yesterday, so uh, it was a good time, man. All right, guys. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, What was that like? And you know, the Sun Belt Conference, of course, uh, rolls out the red carpet. Uh, in the production of it wise, they do a fabulous job. Do you think events like this are helping the cause and, of course, getting the message out there for the Sun Belt? Absolutely. It's not even close. I, you know, and again, uh, you know, shame on me um, for that having done that in the past. Um, obviously, where there's timing conflicts or what have you, we couldn't do the show. Now, we've done, you know, events where we go try to get coaches if there's a team that has a storyline. And for the last couple of years, you know, obviously the Raging Cajuns. You know, then pretty much um, they will see you in December at the New Orleans Bowl. So, you know, we kind of followed it from that perspective here in New Orleans. But, um, man, the first thing that hits you is when you walk in there, and it's, uh, it, it, it is first-class production. And that was one of the things I, I talked about with the commissioner, Carl Benson, yesterday. Like, you know, it hits you. I mean, everything is so digital now, too. I mean, you, you have 24-hour coverage or – um, you know, at the very least, available coverage, even if you're not here. I, I love the setup. Each team kind of had, you know, to a little area or they had at least three or four, I think, little areas where you could have multiple teams going at one time, but it was separated, yet it was sort of intimate. You didn't have, like, this big, massive room. Um, you know, you had these backdrops in certain areas, and, and you have two rows of seats and stuff for their local beat reporters or the local people that cover those teams. So you can really get intimate with those coaches. And I think one of the other things that struck me in having a handful of the coaches stop by is that they want to talk about their programs. There's a lot of competition in, in that conference, too. I, you know, I mentioned when we had Neil Brown on, the, the Troy head coach, you know, his, his football team's Twitter handle had the picture of the championship ring from a year ago, right? Well, we, we talked to Arkansas State's head coach, and, um, you know, I, I, I noticed their Twitter page has a picture of five rings, you know, that they've had in the past. So, And those are the two teams that really fought to, to kind of share the title last year. So, 
I, they love the fact that there's a championship game now. Um, I love the competition aspect of it. And look, here's the other thing. You start looking at some of these coaches. You start looking at the resumes. You start looking at the wins. You start seeing it went 4-1 to in the bowl games last year. Um, it's being done right. And look, I, I have a different outlook on the Sun Belt and the, those conferences that are along the same lines because, obviously, as you know, Aaron, I, I cover Tulane and do Tulane yeah. games. So, I see how conferences like the American or the Sun Belt, you know, have kind of changed their stripes in a way. And even Benson said that yesterday. You know, he's like, hey, look, you know, we want to move away from, hey, let's just go do as many money games as possible. And then uh, he thought it it was actually it can kill a conference that way. And you saw this realignment and everything. And, look, the Americans done a great job of trying to brand themselves a P6, right? I mean, the the first down markers at Yobin Stadium have a P6 on it because they, they, they believe they're, the American, they're trying to push it as it's the sixth conference in a power you know, region. So you have the other conferences trying to you know, match that. And I love what the Sunbelt Commissioner said. He's like, look, I don't mind if we go do that one check game, but two or three, just it, it hurts us. What we need to do is those non-conference games need to be with – parallel conferences you know go play teams from conference usa go play teams from the american win that and stuff you know get your check game i mean look we talked to two teams yesterday i mean i, I want to say it's even um you know one uh, that had what mississippi state and alabama you know two of the first four games so i, I think it's the cages i mean it's, it's nuts you know when you look at it so um I get it, you know, and I, I don't know. I was less impressed, man, to be honest with you, because, like I said, I have a different perspective being the American, and I feel that the, the big conferences get a lot of the love and don't understand that, man, you can still have some exciting games, 56-50, you know, 40 to something, and, uh, you know, and still still make some money. I mean, the Troy head coach was saying, look, they just built a brand-new $25 million addition to their football facility to help. So if you go bowling every year, you could be successful. Gus, I know you're fired up to get out to uh, Saints as they report to training camp tomorrow. We look at this thing and a couple of the position battles. I guess we have to start with the early season. Who will be the second running back behind Alvin Kamara? How do you think this thing plays out over the course of the next couple weeks? I still think what Sean Payton said early in camp, when many camp and OTAs rings true to an extent in which he said we're going to see what we have here with a lot of these younger backs, whether it's Edmonds and you know, Boston Scott and such. Um, I do think the reason you brought in a Terrence West and you brought in a Shane Vereen is because if Alvin Kamara has to leave the game early or can't play in the game, you probably want some veteran you know, experience in that backfield. So I, I get that and understand that. I think if all is well and Alvin is healthy, I think – what a lot of people around here are saying, who replaces Ingram and what's that role? They're not going to. You don't need to. I don't think you look at it from that perspective. I think, as I've said several times already to you, when you add three pass-catching position players, right, the tight end in Watson, Meredith, and Traquan Smith, the, the free agent pickup and draft pick at receiver, and then you add Alvin Kamara, why am I going to force carries to a running back that isn't Mark Ingram? Why am I going to force carries to running back to just say that's our system? I think that system worked well and needed to be that system last year because you didn't have options, man. If I took Michael Thomas out, no one else on that field scared me. I mean, yes, Ted Ginn, 
hit one every now and then, primarily because you had Kamara and Ingram running and, you know, Michael Thomas going. But your tight end gave you nothing. Willie Sneed, Brandon Coleman didn't scare anybody, even when, when Sneed played. So you didn't have anything really to go there. Your best athletes and best players were Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and you had a good offensive line. Run the football. And you didn't know what you had with your defense. They were young. You wanted some time to see what you could build. Your best bet is to run the football, right? I mean, it was strange when the Panthers tried to stop the run and dared Drew Brees to beat them. So I think what you see this year is more of a return to what we used to seeing with the Saints. I think Brees is going to throw all over the field, man. You just have that many more options. So I think if Kamara's healthy, man, Aaron, those first four games, it, whatever back, is dressed, is to spell Alvin Kamara and to keep the defense on with a carry or two. I don't think it's, you know, per se, fill the Ingram role. And then when Mark comes back, Mark, I think, assimilates to what's going on. Because I just look at it, man, I have a hard time believing if that offense is humming and they're scoring points, that you're just going to stop throwing the football now. I think Ingram would add an element to it for sure because of his run. But I think with the rest of the backs, I'm look, you got four preseason games that I don't need to see Alvin Kamara in. So I think those backs that you're talking about that we're seeing, that it's competing to who gets the snaps to spell Kamara and who's going to be playing in the preseason games. Talked about Breeze chunking it all around. Thomas, obviously the number one receiver. You look at number two. We don't know a lot about Cameron Meredith coming from uh, Chicago. Right. Obviously put up some pretty good numbers back in 2016. Is he the biggest threat, I guess, to be the number two receiver for this team? I think they signed him to be, right? I mean, when you look at that deal and that contract, A, they're, they're feeling that his health is, and they're signing him to do that. Um, <clears throat> every indication is, you know, Traquan Smith is Ted Ginn when he leaves, right? I mean, he's um, – but, but, but as the blocking element that maybe a Brandon Coleman can sort of give you. But they like his breakaway speed. They like, they like the fact he can get downfield. He can run some routes. But he really – that he's, he's one of those blocking receivers. So – uh, I see him as a guy that probably starts to try to push his way in the next year or so to that third spot in, in something of that nature. You know, receiver to me is going to be a fun battle. I said yesterday the three things I'll keep my eyes on over the next couple of days. Is, you know, again, to me, honestly, it's the, it's the, who's the backup quarterback, man. I mean, if you're building a team that everyone is talking about as a Super Bowl contender, if Brees has to miss a snap or a game or a half, then you better have somebody that can at least not kill you. And you have a guy in Tom Savage that no one probably in the city believes in. I mean, <laughs> when you've seen him play at Houston, they had a number one defense and they could win a playoff game with him, if you remember. Um, and that's not an offense to him. It's just that's reality. And, and Taysom Hill, which we've never seen him play a single snap in a regular season game. So that's a position battle to me. If both of those guys look terrible in the preseason, then the Saints have to go get somebody. You get what I'm getting at? Because this isn't, hey, let's, let's see how many wins we can get this year. This is a team that absolutely believes, look at the move they made with Marcus Davenport. They believe this is a Super Bowl contending team. So the most important position, better have somebody that can back it up. So that's, to me, my number one story, honestly, going into camp. Because I think everything else, you have depth, you have position starters, you're, you're pretty good there. That, that's a question mark to me. Who is this team's backup? You knew Chase Daniel could do it. You, you knew some of the ones before then that could do it. So who is that backup? And then to me, it's, I don't know where you're going to cut at receiver because I think you have six, seven guys that can play in the league, I think, or at least make a football team. But last year you only dressed four, and a lot of times 
as Nick on the Hill, the advocate, wrote, you only had a lot of more three-receiver sets, very rarely four-receiver sets. So who's getting cut? Who gets the season-ending IR injury uh, that's a young player that will see you again next year? So I look at that and then really the battle as to you got Crowley, you got Robinson, you got Lattimore. Who are the other defensive backs? They're going to be battling for spots. Finally, Gus, of course, the Saints are back at their training complex. The experiment, of course, West Virginia ended a couple of years ago. Jackson, Thibodeau. Is this kind of the way that the Saints want to go, just having it in their own backyard? Yeah, I think in more ways than one. Um, it's probably, you know, whether you want to try to convince people or not, um, you know, people feel that in the cool temps of the Greenbrier, it, it was either cursed with injury or it made the team soft. And being out here in the heat makes them tougher. So what happens when they come back here last year? They they go to the playoffs, you know, and the Houston Texans lose to Sean Watson. So and they're trading at the Greenbrier. Look, I, I think it, it literally just comes down to this. You can have everything here. It's only 18 practices, essentially. Ten are open to the public. You have three days that are off. Um, and I just think from a standpoint of leadership and a standpoint of trying to kind of reset the team, I think he just felt that it'd be probably better here to kind of, you know, get the team's mindset in a certain area and direction. So maybe when they become a little more veteran in a couple of years, maybe they may go somewhere, but maybe not. Look, the team makes money off of it, and I think, like like I said, at the end of the day, fans for some reason like to have it here, uh, even though they're not always sold out, and it's not like there's 10,000 people out here. So I've always found that interesting. We want it here. Have you been to training camp practice? No. So... <laughs> you know, it's yes. funny, but look, from my standpoint, dude, seriously, camp is six stoplights from my house, so I'm I'm much happier with it here. Gus, do they let the players go home at night, or are they all... Uh, I think I want to stay the first two weeks or so, or, or when it's quote-unquote training camp. They do have them at the hotel over by the airport at the Hilton. At least that's what they've done in the past. Um, it's it switched from, you know, the bus bringing them in and out to you can drive to and from but you stay there. I, I want to say that's still the case. And, and then I think once that preseason game or second preseason game, they quote-unquote break camp and they can go. But I can find out for you. I'll, I'll know for sure next Tuesday. I want to say they stay in a hotel, though, for the first two weeks. We certainly want to hear more of your uh, Saints daily reports. Where can we find you later on today and then, of course, next week? ESPN New Orleans. You can follow us on the TuneIn radio app or just follow us throughout the day at ESPN Radio NOLA. Follow me on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17. We tweet throughout the day stuff that we're doing on the show we'd love your participation thanks aaron thank you gus yep for sure bye good stuff from gus cattengill down at espn new orleans man he is so convinced that he is going to that the saints are going to throw it around more in uh 2018 how, how often has he said that um and he has reason to believe that especially with the ingram news early and the way the personnel fits uh interesting comments there about the the saints and of course they're situation at backup quarterback behind Drew Brees. I think we all understand if Drew Brees goes down, the Saints are in deep, deep, deep trouble. But if he had to miss a quarter, a half, or perhaps one game, who do you feel comfortable taking those snaps? Would it be Tom Savage or the Taysom Hill? Uh, Taysom Hill. You know, I, I again, I read a really good article. What, because uh, you saw him run down and get, make a tackle no, on the kickoff? No, no, I read a really good article by Jeff Duncan who went deep into how the Saints got Taysom Hill from Green Bay and how Green Bay did not want to lose him 
Um, I encourage you to read that story, Aaron. It's it's talking about how he could actually be. We joked a lot about him not being the future yeah. of the Saints, but this was making the case that he could be. There's some compelling points in there, so I encourage you to go read that. Maybe it'll sway your opinion. 888-993-7762, the morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7, returns after this. All right, Jake, let's set this up. Uh, at these media days, sometimes you hear some obscure questions or perhaps it's somebody just trying to make a bigger name for themselves or, of course, to get their agenda or propaganda across, correct? Yeah, this is ten times worse than asking Kirby Smart about Jacob Eason. Is it worse than Clay Travis asking Tim Tebow back in the day if he was a virgin? No. <laughs> no, it's not. But this, So this reporter, or he's on the blog or something. He's wearing from, all green, by the way. Uh, Michigan State. Yes. He he's, works for uh, the Spartan blog. Uh-huh. I forgot what it's called. But so they're passing around the microphone in the media room, and he gets his big opportunity. Gets his big opportunity. You can tell he's been licking his chops, waiting for Harbaugh. How he's long been, has he been practicing this practicing in front of the mirror? He's been practicing this for days. He couldn't wait to try to show up Harbaugh. And as he's, you know, asking this question, you can tell he's rocking back and forth. He looks extremely uncomfortable. He's trying to come off as a tough guy, but he's not having the mannerisms of a tough guy. His name is uh, Crowley Sullivan for something called the Spartan Wire. Spartan Wire. Wearing all green. Sparty gone spart. Here's uh, Sullivan with his hard-hitting question to Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. Coach Crowley Sullivan, Spartans wear. A little bit of a follow-up on that question. You came into Ann Arbor with perhaps the most hype of any coach in the history of the Big Ten, maybe in all of college football. A few years later, you've got a third-place, third-place, and fourth-place finish, and you're one in five against Michigan State and Ohio State. What do you have to do this year to demonstrate to the Michigan community that you are on the path to achieving what they hired you to achieve? (laughs) All right, so it cuts off there. So it leaves his response up to our imagination. Now, I like to think that Harbaugh steps off the podium, walks over there, and punches him right in the face. That's just how it went in my mind. I don't know what really happened. But clearly his response wasn't that good, or else they would have included that in the clip. That's the one time where I like it where you have to identify yourself, and everybody in the room is like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Man, what a oh, – there's so many words I want to say. Uh, what a jerk. Let's go with that one. Let's go with that one. Uh, just pompous. But for his followers, he's probably a hero, the Michigan State fan base. Like, yes, a, you stuck it to him. There's a way you can ask. Th- like, who are you? Like, who are you? Why Why is this your uh, agenda to try to tear down another coach? Like, I'll, I'll never forget uh, covering Grambling and Doug Williams' press conferences were pure gold. Because a lot of times he wouldn't even talk about the opponents that week. And quite frankly, some weeks we didn't even want him to talk about the opponents. It was more about just Doug Williams telling stories. Right. Well, during that time, there was somebody working for the Grambling newspaper then and a kid. And he would just ask Doug Williams this ridiculous questions and questioning Doug Williams on, of course, formations that they're running and why they called a certain play on second and six. And and I, I would cringe every time and then I'd be like, ooh, this is actually pretty good. Because Doug wouldn't even look the kid in the eye. And Doug Williams has got to be sitting there like, I won a darn Super Bowl. I'm a Super Bowl MVP, and I got this little 18-and-a-half-year-old kid trying to quiz me on my game philosophy and management. Yeah. 
But every time a kid would, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd keep rolling because <laughs> I was waiting for Doug, of course, to lose it uh, on him one time. He never did. But the next year, he either graduated or, of course, he wasn't welcome back to those press conferences. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the latter. Yeah. Oh, we got some texts to get to. <laughs> Uh, I, I had a text earlier that I forgot to read. I'm sorry, Quint. Uh, he sent in idea for top ten Thursday, opening week games that will have the biggest impact on the college football season. Well, funny you should mention that. We'll have our our four downs coming up this week, probably tomorrow, where we actually look at uh, some of the biggest opening week games and we try to make the argument which opening week matchup is the most compelling. Mm. So something to look forward to this week. Richie says, unlike Taysom Hill, we have seen what Tom Savage can do. The unknown ability of Hill is definitely the better option. Mm. Agree with that. Larry and Monroe says, what about this movie? The greatest game ever played with Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf, however you say it. It might not be popular except only to golfers. LaBeouf plays 20-year-old Francis Quimet, a young amateur golfer that really didn't have a real chance of winning the tournament, but won the 1913 U.S. Open against five-time British Open champion Harry Varden. Did you cover that, Aaron? Uh, sound argument, Larry. You lost, uh, of course, Jake several times in that just that text. The actor, and then as soon as he had to say 1913 U.S. Open. I fell asleep as soon as I said 1913. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, sorry. Uh, there was a... Something in a movie, I think it was Hot Tub Time Machine, where they called him LaBeouf, and it was really funny. And so I just started calling him that, and so now I, I mispronounce his name. You probably have that as one of your classics, too, right? Hot Tub Time Machine? <laughs> no, I do not. No, I do not. But, uh, yeah, speaking of movies. You can continue to weigh in, of course, on our poll at 888-993-7762. But to get your vote counted, you have to go to our Twitter page, which is... At Morning Drive 977, we are still taking votes. Um, I don't think the poll ends until like four hours from now, so oh, nice. you still got a lot of time. Rudy is trying to make a comeback. Um, it's it's they, they, They've climbed. They're up to 40%. Hoosiers are still leading by 60%, but uh, got some Rudy fans getting late in the game trying to, to sway those votes. Can only vote once, right? Can only vote once. Yeah. We've had a lot of participation. We want to thank everybody for for uh, participating. Also, Richie, sorry, I forgot to read this one, too. Have y'all seen 61 about Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle? It's better than A Field of Dreams? Mm. I don't know about that, Richie. He I didn't put a question it. mark at the end of at a better than I, a Field I of added Dreams? That, I added that question mark. Um, I don't know about that one, Richie. I haven't seen it, so I can't really dispute it. Have you seen 61? I have not. Yeah. We should just do a list of the movies top we sports seen. movies we have not seen, according to the critics. Yeah. Breaking Away would make it. Mm, yes, it would. Ten Cup would. Uh, Seabiscuit. You have not seen Ten Cup or Seabiscuit? Nope. You should be no disqualified interest. for putting your no list interest. together. This is my list. This is my subjective list. 888-993-7762. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, you're going to hear from the commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference. The status of the Sunbelt. Are they starting to gain some recognition? Are they starting to generate some headlines? The commish. You'll hear from them after the break. All right, Jake, I'm not going to lie. I tried to sit through the entire uh, Carl Benson, the state of the conference address yesterday. It was hard. <laughs> a little difficult. Uh, I do have a little sound that we'll play later in the week. He was asked about uh, gambling. 
in uh, college football. Now you're talking. <laughs> I knew that would pique your interest. Now you're talking. That is one of two sound bites I cut. The other one, of course, just the status of the Sun Belt Conference and where they are in the pecking order. You look at uh, he's been the commissioner. Before that, he was the commissioner of the Mid American uh, Conference from '90 to '94. We all remember when he was the commish from the WAC from '94 to 2012. This is not Carl Benson's first rodeo. He was asked what the Sun Belt needs to continue to do to improve their ranking and, of course, their notoriety across this country. Here's Carl Benson's response. Well, again, our, our revenue in the past four years is, you know, is tenfold, and, and some of that is the CFP infusion. Some of it now will be you know, ESPN, uh, the, the doubling of our rights fee there. Uh, so it, uh, it's, it's now meaningful. I mean, when, when we send our year-end check to, to the athletic directors, uh, it's, it's a meaningful number that, that can make a difference on each of those campuses. And when you talk about uh, the value of being in a conference, uh, the Sun Belt now has, has you know, significant and real value to our members. Uh, in 2012, you know, when, when schools elected to leave the conference, there wasn't any money in the conference. There was very little distribution. And, you know, and they, they looked at, uh, you know, at, at an opportunity to, to gain some revenue. Uh, since then, we've been fortunate enough to, I think, to catch up. And in those schools that left the conference in 2012, um, the schools that remained and the ones that we've brought in uh, are now realizing, if not just as much, but perhaps even more than, than what those schools that left are getting. So that's a, I think that, that is, it's real money, but it's also prestige. Uh, the Sun Belt for so long has been just labeled as the, you know, as the, the bottom of the, of the 10, you know, the 10 conferences. And, and that's no longer the case. I think we've established a, a brand, we've established a, you know, the credibility, and again, now is the, is the time to take that next step to really contend you know, for that number one spot. I'd love to be a commissioner. Wouldn't you? <laughs> Let me ask a question before you play any more clips. All right. So I asked you during the break a, while, a couple breaks ago, I think your list is going to be nothing but old movies, mm -hmm. sports movies. Mm -hmm. So I asked you, what is the the most recent sports movie that you would include on your list? And you couldn't give me an yeah, answer. That was tough. So I want to ask the people out there. What, well, what are the most recent sports movies I, besides Tanya, Creed? I, Tanya. I, Tanya was hilarious. I just don't like her. So it's a comedy. It's a comedy. It makes fun of the whole know. thing. I just watched her on Ellen the other day. And like, well, I, even if you don't like somebody, you can still watch the movie. It's still compelling. Mm -hmm. You can hate watch. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, it's good. Um, I say Moneyball is one of the more recent ones. Creed. Draft Day. <sighs> anyway, let us know what is your favorite uh, most recent sports movie that's come out. Because it, you know, they are few and far between. Arkansas State believes they're ready for the big screen. The Red Wolves are the favorite to win the Sun Belt Conference. You look at Blake Anderson and what he's done up there in uh, Jonesboro. Uh, fifth year is uh, overall record, 31 and 20. They've been very good in home games, 18 and five overall. Of course, in uh, postseason games, not so great. Uh, one and three overall, including that uh, whooping they took down in New Orleans to the hands of the Bulldogs. 
Sean and Nick had an opportunity to catch up with uh, Blake Anderson yesterday and grill him on the expectations for the Red Wolves and if he thinks ULM will give Arkansas State a run for their money. Really a guy who's no stranger to this event and this show, the head coach of the Red Wolves, Blake Anderson. Coach, I was looking uh, – yeah, of course, we got the Lindy's, the Athlons, the Phil Steels. I'm a junkie getting ready for the season. <laughs> I think this is year five? Year five, it you're, is. You're, it is. You're kind of the dean of this thing. How about that? Now. You How know, that happen? I don't know because, you know, when I first took the job, I was the fifth head coach at Arkansas State in five <laughs> years, and nobody thought, you know, I'd make it past five minutes. And now I look up, and I'm the you know oldest tenured, longest tenured coach in the league. I think, you know, uh, when Hudspeth and Joey left, you know, they had had long runs at, at both schools. and. Now it's it's there's a lot of new bodies and, and everybody's doing a phenomenal job and we've hired some really good coaches inside the league so uh, it's um, it's it's strong but it, it's hard to believe that yeah I'm going in year five and and I've been here longer than anybody. You guys have done a tre- yeah. tremendous job and uh, obviously the success on the field has led to buildings going up yeah, and that yeah. the facility there has just transformed so much. I just go back you know. Nine, ten years ago, what it used to be, it's just changed so much over that time and from whenever you got there. Well, and, yeah, even over just the five years I've been there, we've uh, you know built the indoor stadium, you know, in, indoor practice field, which we needed desperately because of the weather there. I mean, we missed, we missed 25 days of practice my first year. And, you know, that's hard to, that's hard to give up, that many training days. Uh, the expanded stadium with the luxury boxes and all that, and they did a phenomenal job, and now we're – we're right in the middle of, of the end zone project, which is going to be one of a kind, just a really unique environment with the, with the waterfalls and kind of the um, kind of sports bar type areas awesome. that, that is kind of unique. And, and we're not so much going for size. We just want a really classy, great environment for the fans. And then connected to that will be a, a complex for us. And, you know, our, our university keeps growing. Our athletic department keeps growing. And so by us even actually moving, it's going to create space and and new places for other parts of the of the university and, and other athletic programs. So it's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, really fortunate that we've got visionary, forward-thinking people in administration. Obviously, Terry Mahaja, y'all probably visit with him today. I mean, he just never gets tired of wanting to grow and, and improve. Uh, called a game there back in 2008, I think, or nine when I was at Southern Miss. It doesn't look like the same town. And the university itself, a med school, uh, business, I mean, just the things that we've done on campus, it's been a lot of fun to be a part of. Well, the reason you're able to do that is because of your fan base. And we talk a lot about attendance and what is the measure of success at this level. And I think, to me, it's it's consistency yeah. and it's stability. And you're not going to build your fan base if you go to a bowl game and then you don't go back for another three or four years. It takes back-to-back-to-back-to-back bowl games to do that. And I think – you're seeing the fruits of that later. Yeah, seven straight bowl games. You know, obviously before I got there, you know, there had been three solid years. They'd gone through a lot of tough years. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think uh, – I don't think Steve Roberts gets enough credit for – you know, he went through a lot of tough times. He battled through it, and uh, it was nothing easy about it. But when, when he stepped aside and Hugh took over, I mean, the immediate success, you have to give credit to – the job that Steve had done. There was still obviously a foundation being laid, maybe not at the wins and losses that everybody wants, but there was a foundation and some stability through his tenure. And then, you know, since that point, since Hugh took over uh, all the way through to now, I mean, that's seven straight years of bowl games, five championships, and 
and I think just the expectations now are higher than they've ever been. Obviously, you know, we always expect the same thing. Find a way to win a conference title, go to a bowl game, and if we can if we can do what we need to do, try to be the, the best team in the in the group of five. I mean that's that's every year, but we are getting so much support, fan support and community support that uh, that we've been able to do a lot of things that, that people would have said 10, 20 years ago wasn't, wasn't possible. Well, and you just said expectations. You guys are the expected, and you are the favorite uh, going in here. First but, time. First yeah, time. Yeah. There you go. Uh, you, you were my pick. Uh, I can I can tell you that you, there I'm, I'm revealing my vote. You were, you were my vote. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, on, on that. Uh, but but God, you, you're loaded. And, look, I saw what you did at Monroe last year, 67 points. Ooh, I mean, And it took every one of them to win it. That's it it was it – was impre- it's impressive. And, you know, Justice is such a great quarterback. And, I mean – you know, I'm, I'm looking at the ballot, and, and I want to put every one of those guys, you know, for all conference because yeah. you have so many weapons on the offensive side of the football, and you're probably looking at the same thing on ULM, some of those weapons yeah, that are no there doubt. as well. But, no I mean, it's well-deserved, but, you know, those expectations are there now for your football team. You know, and I tell people, they've been there for us the whole time. I know, you know, we haven't been picked by the media and by maybe everybody else, but, I've told our guys every year our expectation is to win the league. That's I took the job knowing that every kid that said yes to coming there to play knows going in. We just expect and assume that we are going to find a way to win the league. It's just it's just who we who we are going to be. So that doesn't really surprise us. I mean, I'm I'm flattered that that everybody else in the league thinks that much of us, but we've always gone. I've I voted as number one basically every year because that's what I expect we're going to find a way to do. Now, we don't, we haven't got it done every year. We're two out of the four. We got it done. We fell short a year ago, and I thought we were capable of it. And so, you know, all we're thinking right now is we want to go get the trophy back from Troy and App. Those guys got it. We didn't do enough. Let's go get it. And so the preseason rankings really don't even factor in other than, you know, I love it that some of the guys that have worked hard and played well and have had good careers are getting acknowledged going in. But it's, it's about where you finish, not where you start. And like I said, we won five, and we weren't picked to win in any of those five. That tells you all you need to know about preseason rankings. I, I know that uh, you're probably only focused on southeast Missouri, but we're looking at November 17th, <laughs> and uh, guys host ULM, and for the first time in really quite some time, there's a level of expectation for the Warhawks, and that has a lot to do and just get your thoughts on what Coach V has done, done. in a short amount of time. At Great ULM. job. Yeah. Great job. I think the Sunbelt football is at its strongest ever, and I think that has to do with – uh, quality coaching and the visibility of the league and the type of ball that we're playing. Uh, you know, you can see more games than you ever could before, and you're watching exciting systems. I mean, he runs a great – I mean, the green – I don't want to see Marcus Green again. I mean, I, I, he, the guy was a nightmare when we played him. You mentioned 67. It took all 67 points to win. That thing wasn't over until the last series. Uh, so that should be a game that, yeah, everybody circles, two explosive offense with all the skills. Got quarterbacks that can deliver the ball, big wide outs, speed guys in the slot, big physical running backs. I mean, it should be a great, great game. And I think Matt's done a phenomenal job in a very short period of time uh, just putting his his kind of his stamp on it. And you can see the culture. I told him when, I, when we spoke before the game, what I see on film is a group of guys that you can tell they're starting to believe that there's better, that there's more. And that's a dangerous thing because there's plenty of players in the state of Louisiana, and um, he's utilizing his staff and recruiting to uh, to really uh, to get that thing going in the right direction. Hopefully we can find a way to, 
score one more than they do this year too. Well, and, and Louisiana, I love talking recruiting. I mean, that is that's a base for y'all. I mean, y'all y'all come into Louisiana quite a bit to recruit because the the talent in this state is so good. Yeah, it's it's great ball. Everybody comes in. I mean, you got Texas folks coming in, Alabama, Mississippi coming in. We're coming down. Uh, obviously, LSU is going to get their their pick, and then there's so many other teams between the teams just in the state. It's a battle. Uh, we've had a handful of guys uh, that have come in and played really, really well for us. We've got a young man that's uh, on campus right now that, that we picked up um, out of y'all's area, and Jaden Harris, that we think is going to be a quality player uh, in, down the road. But uh, it's it is really, really good, solid, well coached, competitive football. And you can always grab a player or two. And I think they're doing a great job starting at home and then branching out from there into East Texas, into Mississippi. And, and they even actually come up into, into Arkansas. they got a few players uh, on their roster that are from our state. I mean, there's there's enough uh, players up in that area that uh, you can grab a couple that can go. Obviously, everybody focusing on justice in your offense. Defensively, you've got to replace, and I don't know if you can, one of the best pass rushers in college. That's just Sunbelt history. That's just school history and college football history. Yeah, came up, I think, a half half a sack yep. short of the record. I got cheated at that, too. Well, he did get the record. Yep. It just got – and I still looked at the film. I have not seen the penalty quite yet. So, uh, yeah, Javon had a great career. I think we just got to be realistic about – you're probably not going to have one guy that's going to take up that productivity alone. We've we got to do it with the group. Uh, I think – We've got several guys that are capable of having breakout years. I think Ronnie Bingham, who's preseason all-conference pick, I think that's a great pick. He had a phenomenal offseason. He, he was unblockable at times for us this spring. Last year when he was healthy, he, he was really tough to defend then too. But I don't think it's going to fall on one guy. I really believe our approach has been uh, number, you know, strength in numbers up front. Throw a lot of fresh bodies at the problem. You know, put a guy out there so he doesn't have to play 50 snaps. He can play 30 good snaps, and it's it's been a, a good formula for us. I think we've we've had one of the best, if not the best, defensive lines in the league the last few years, and it's it's allowed us to play really competitively. And that's going to be the the mo again this year. Just uh, real quick, you get a you get a litmus test pretty early on where you are. Uh, there's a there's a little team in Tuscaloosa that's uh, <laughs> that's waiting for you. Yeah, there's a there there won't be much hiding from those guys. No. We got to get through Semo first, sure. but. That will be uh, that will be an experience unlike uh, any other for most of these guys on our squad, and uh, you know we got them sandwiched. We're, we're sandwiched between Louisville and Ole Miss. I doubt they'll be thinking a whole lot about us, but uh, we uh, let's try to get through week one. We'll figure out week two when we get to it. Coach, it's been impressive to see what you've done through the first four years. Best luck in year five. Thank you. We got it. Blake Anderson joined us here on the company. All right, a couple things uh, about Blake Anderson. Uh, the fact that he's going into his fifth year. And, of course, he's the old man now on right. the block in the Sunbelt Conference. The days, of course, of the Larry Blakeney's that, you know, Troy has been there for 20-some years. Even you look back at Hudspeth and how he used to strut around there like you own the place. Literally, you, know, you have one or two bad seasons, you're out of there. Or perhaps you're trying to parlay you into a, another gig, and you think Blake Anderson has got to be on the verge of doing that. Well, that's you can find that all over the country because Mark Stoops is one of the longest tenure coaches in the SEC today. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You look at this series between ULM and Arkansas State, it really hadn't been much of one. The fact that the Red Wolves have won the last eight in a row. And we sometimes forget about that game last year. Uh, Warhawks defense, of course, still trying to forget it when they lost 67-50. to and Arkansas State had 781 yards of offense, mm. setting a new Sun Belt Conference record. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Arkansas State, like I said, has won the last eight times versus the Warhawks 
in the last three matchups versus ULM, they won 59 to 21, 51 to 10, and then last year, of course, the shootout 67 to 50. All the talk around Arkansas State this year is their quarterback, Justin Hansen, and the numbers that he put up last year. Can he duplicate him or even exceed a season where he almost threw for 4,000 yards, 37 touchdowns with 16 interceptions? That's what we want to see. 888-993-7762. Coming up next, our party shots on the morning drive. Jake, what happened to us doing a Facebook plug today, man? You want us to do that every day? <laughs> you know, wear me out, man. You didn't have the proper attire on this morning or what? No, I'm not like you. I, I'll go on there looking however I look. Right. I tried to do it the other day. You're like, oh, my hair's not groomed. <laughs> Give me a break. Let's get to our parting shots. I started when we didn't have computers, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have any of that garbage. You do what everybody else in the media does, just creates and throw it on the wall and see what sticks. Have something to ask, just like this. Let's do it. Where'd that come from? I never said that. Nobody in this building ever said that. So where'd you come up with that? Just, you know, had a dream about it or what? But see, it's real easy when you're not in the business, when you've never played the game, when you don't understand truly what the game is. And that, to me, that's chicken. I should have sent Petty a text at the beginning of the show and said, hey, what are your thoughts on LSU scheduling his home opener versus ULM? I'm sure he loves that. Yeah. yeah. It's all ULM needed, apparently. Missed, goal, missed an opportunity. Yep. All right, Aaron. So we opened the show talking about Harbaugh's comments about the playoff. He was asked if he thought it should expand. And I want to close it by reiterating, I do not want it to expand. Now, I will succumb to the fact that a Group 5 team will probably never get in the Final Four. Mm. Is that fair? Mm. No, it's not fair, which is why, I again, I propose that we have a Group 5 uh, playoff. Same same ordeal. You, got, you get the best four teams in the Group 5. They play for the Group 5 championship. And the Power 5 teams play for the Power 5 championship. It's not like the split in high school. Because you're not taking, you're you're not taking away uh, some of the best teams in the country to play in their own league. It's just saying, okay, well, if they're never going to get the a, a true opportunity with, with UCF going undefeated last year, and them not even you know getting an opportunity to, to get into the Final Four, it's a pretty well known fact that they're not that that's not going to happen. It's going to take a very long time for that to happen. It's going to take some crazy events to happen. So. If you would have did this last year, you would have had the the Power Five, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Bama, and the Group Five, you would have had UCF, South Florida, Boise, and Memphis. That would have been fun. And I think that would have been a big ratings uh, draw. I I just feel like people, that's more football, that's more high-caliber football. You're talking about the elite of the Group Five. And so the only thing is, you know, we we had a text from, from Ben saying, if you do that, then the only way I'd be for that is if you had the Group 5 champion play the Power 5 champion. I, I nixed that. I don't think you should do that just because you're asking an awful lot of uh, of the Power 5 champion to have to run through that gauntlet, then have to come back and beat the Group 5 champion. Mm. All right, what's our uh, poll look like as uh, we wrap up the show? Of course, uh, we continue to count down to Top 10 Thursday where we will unveil our Top 10 movies of all time. This is kind of the listeners deciding the number one movie throughout the week. It is, and 
Rudy's making, trying to make a comeback, but not really. Uh, Hoosiers is up 59%. Rocky is up over, remember the Titans, 54%. Field of Dreams taking it to Bull Durham, 68%. Miracle over Cinderella Man, 63%. The Fighter over Million Dollar Baby, 58%. And the Sandlot is absolutely waxing Caddyshack. They're up 75%. The Sandlot might just win it all. Sandlot might win it all, and Miracle might go much further than I anticipated. And the best way, of course, to get your vote in is? At Morning Drive 977. We have all the polls up. They will be ending in a couple hours. Make sure you get those votes. Go vote for Rudy. Make sure it beats Hoosiers. Not sports-related, but I'm looking at NOLA.com, and they're showing pictures of the 35 restaurants that have already closed in New Orleans this year. And it's kind of sad just to look at the number of these local businesses that could not make the cut and were not able to survive in New Orleans. I'm kind of surprised it's just 35. But a lot of these places look really, really incredible. And once again, it just shows you how important it is to support local. In terms of us, whether you're in Ruston or Monroe, a local place, make sure you go and you, you, you put your money into them. There's no reason to give your money to somebody else where they take it and leave. I'm off my seat. <laughs> okay. That was out of nowhere. I don't know. I just I came across this article, and you start looking at all these different pictures of these 35 restaurants in New Orleans, and they all look incredible. And we know how competitive it is down there Absolutely. for restaurants. But yeah. you look across just across the street here, and the number of restaurants that have closed literally in the last three to four years in West Monroe and Monroe. Staggering. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I've got nothing really to add to that. <laughs> what do we got going on tomorrow? <laughs> Oh, we've got four downs, and on these four downs, we're going to be looking at the most compelling opening week matchup in college football. I want to see who you think is the dark horse to win the Heisman. Also want to take a look at the AFC and the NFC. Who are the best teams in both divisions? I believe uh, Dr. Saul Grays will also join us tomorrow. We'll have uh, more from, of course, uh, conference media days from across the country. More dumb questions from reporters. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Also, later this week, I'll go ahead and plug it now, looking forward to having Tim Crater on, a former UFC fighter. His fighter, Dustin Poirier, takes the main event on Fox against Eddie Alvarez this Saturday. Huge fight. It's a rematch. The first fight was going to be an instant classic before a little controversy caused the fight to end a little prematurely. Now they get to run it back. Going to be one of the best fights of the year. All right, what am I supposed to watch instead of America's Got Talent tonight? Uh, Nick Newell, the one-armed fighter. Looking for a chance to get that to sounds UFC. like a movie. They they probably will make a movie about him soon. I'm not even kidding. Everybody have a fantastic day. Great job on the board today, John Tabor. The Edge is coming up next on Sports Talk 97. Thanks for listening to the best of the Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.